Hello and welcome to What's the Story Ghost. I'm your host, Jessanette. And I'm Stephen. And we are now on episode nine. Today we are going to cover Lap Castle. Stephen, how do you feel about this? Lapping around the place with excitement. So we crack on? Yeah, let's do it. So as usual, I will put the sources that I used in the description. Used as a stronghold, a home, and an unresting place for some, Lep Castle is known as the most haunted castle in Ireland, but a turbulent and bloody history will do that. The history of this castle would give Game of Thrones a run for its money. The castle can be dated back as early as the 13th century, when it was built by the wealthy O'Bannon clan. But before the castle was even built, two of the O'Bannon brothers were already at odds over which one was set to inherit their father's riches and the control over the castle. According to the legend, they proposed a competition. Each brother would jump off a huge rock located on the site of the future castle. The one who lived would get to control the construction of the castle and the family clan. While the winner of the deadly competition, if ever there was one, is now lost in time, it does likely explain why the castle was originally named Lame Ubanen, or O'Bannon Sleep. Though the O'Bannons were powerful in their own right, they were pledged to the O'Carroll family, who took control of the castle away. In the 15th century, the castle became the main stronghold for the violent and deadly O'Carroll clan, setting off the castle's bloody history. They ruled over the surrounding territory of Ely and deemed themselves the princes of Ely. The O'Carrolls were a brutal clan, constantly striving for power and supremacy. John O'Carroll was thought to be responsible for the construction of the earliest sections of Left Castle and died there from the plague in 1489. He was succeeded by his son Mulroney O'Carroll, who continued the construction of the castle. Mulroney was well known for his resilience, courage and valour, and was considered a great leader. When he passed, likely in the castle, in 1532, after ruling for 42 years, his son Fergonanum, which translates from Irish to man with no name, seized control after a bloody fight for Left Castle erupted. But the fight wasn't just between brothers, it was between cousins, illegitimate sons and namesakes. Legend has it that O'Carroll murdered his brother, a priest, while performing a mass in the upper hall of the castle. It's believed that the priest started the mass before the arrival of his brother, and this was considered to be a great insult. The angered O'Carroll then flew into a rage and slaughtered his brother where he stood. He slumped over the altar and there he took his last breath. The chapel is now referred to as the Bloody Chapel. When Fergan Annam first seized control, he became involved in a vicious dispute with the local clan, the O'Malloys. The O'Malloys were invited to the castle for a victory feast after winning a battle for Fergan Annam, and every one of them was murdered at the dinner table. This was never going to go down well with the O'Malloy clan. So weeks later, at Clonus Castle, in revenge, they slaughtered Fergan Annam in 1541. Now this next part gets a bit crazy, so try keep up. Fergan Annam's son, Teague, the one-eyed, and his cousin Charles took charge of the castle. Teague was awarded the title of Lord Baron of Ely, but was later assassinated by his kinsman Charles out of envy. Charles was then murdered by Teague's younger brother William, who then ruled over Ely from 1554. He ruled for 27 years, which for the time was considered a relatively long reign, but William the Pale was then slain in 1581 by his O'Connor relatives. William fathered four sons. He was succeeded by his son, John. Not long after John assumed control, he was then murdered by his cousin, Mulroney, the son of Teague the One-Eyed. 
John's murder was then avenged by an illegitimate brother, Charles, who took out Mulroney. Charles did well. The castle was ruled predominantly by those who swore allegiance to the British crown, and he was not only accepted by the British, he was knighted in 1587. Well, you guessed it, more death. Charles was murdered in yet another family feud in 1600. This was retaliation as Charles had previously killed some of the McMahon nobles. This was one of the most famous slayings that took place at Leth Castle and also one of the most treacherous. About 40 members of the Northern McMahon clan had been hired by the O'Carrolls to train them in new methods of warfare. The McMahon men attended a feast at the castle in celebration of a victory over a rival clan of the O'Carrolls. However, the mercenaries were unaware that their ruthless employers had poisoned their food to avoid having to put the bill. Four O'Carrolls were now in competition for the title of clan leader and the clan was divided. The English finally intervened in the name of law and order and insisted that a primogenitor be upheld. This is the right of the firstborn son to inherit the family estate. In 1629, John O'Carroll, the great nephew of Charles O'Carroll, who had been murdered in 1600, was given the official ownership of Leth Estate and was the last of the O'Carrolls to hold the title of Chief of Ely. The family lost their estates in the Cromwellian confiscations in 1649 and the property of Leth Castle was handed over to the first of the Derby line, Jonathan. He was a soldier of the Cromwellian forces and was given the property and land in place of pay. Now, one version of the story goes that Jonathan was captured by the O'Carrolls and held prisoner in the dungeon at Leth Castle. He was given food and water by one of the O'Carrolls' daughters, Fanula, and when she found out the plan was to have him executed, she helped him flee. He escaped through the dungeon door where he climbed over the battlements and then onto a large yew tree. He later returned to the castle and married Fanula, who was the heiress of the castle. 1664 saw the property handed back to John O'Carroll due to his continued loyalty to Charles I, but the arrangement was reversed in 1667 due to the differing views of Charles II. The left castle was once again back in the hands of the Derbys, and it stays in the family for about 350 years. Throughout this time, nearly all of the Derby firstborn sons were named Jonathan, which has done nothing but create a bit of a genealogical nightmare, but I digress. In about 1750, the fifth Jonathan Derby started remodelling the castle as his mansion house, adding Gothic wings to both the north and south sides of the castle. Other additions were made over the centuries by many of the successive Derbys. In the 19th century, workmen at Left Castle found an oubliette, a secret dungeon with access only through a trapdoor in its ceiling. It was hidden behind a wall in the corner of the bloody chapel. When they explored the ominous cavity further, they made a horrific discovery. There were enough human skeletons amassed on top of wooden spikes that it would have taken three cartloads to remove them. Approximately 150 skeletons were discovered. Prisoners or unsuspected guests of the O'Carrolls would have been dropped down through the hidden trapdoor above the oubliette where they would have their lungs punctured by the wooden spikes below. They would have been left there to die a horrific death with an earshot of the gracious hosts and their merriment below. It was also around this time that Lord Jonathan Charles Darby made the gruesome discovery of three upright skeletons sealed into one of the external castle walls. He immediately ordered the wall rebuilt with the skeletons undisturbed, as he believed his ancestors would have had a really good reason to have them buried in that way in the first place. Maybe he didn't want to antagonise the spirits. Derby's wife Mildred, on the other hand, was not so actively trying to avoid spirits. It was at this time she began dabbling in the occult. 
She held several seances at the castle as well as practicing automatic writing. This is where a medium enters a trance-like state, pen in hand, and dictates written words coming from spirits or supernatural entities from the other side of the veil. It was always said that the castle was badly haunted, and rightly so, but it was only now that the ghosts of Lep seemed to be getting much attention. Mildred, or Millie as she preferred, was absolutely forbidden to write about the numerous happenings witnessed in the castle, but she was crafty. She got around her husband's initial ban by using a pseudonym, Mary Andrew, and renaming the castle Kilman Castle. She submitted her findings to the Occult Review magazine. Millie's articles were published and extended nearly 40 pages. One part describes a visit to the castle by Captain Gordon, a relative. He stayed a few nights in one of the castle bedrooms, accompanied by his dog, a little fox terrier. The first night a few occurrences, but nothing too perplexing. But how he stayed on after the second night, I do not know. This is a letter written by him. He started writing when he became aware of some unusual scratchings on his bedroom door. Securing my revolver, I unlocked the door and flung it wide open. There was no one outside, but a subtle unknown and horribly vile smell filled my nostrils and sent me back quite sick into my room. A few moments later, I heard one or two slow and long scratches down the right side panel of the door accompanied by rustling or crushing noise and heavy thud. Still, nothing could be seen. All the time, the fox terrier had the trade signs of extreme terror and kept her eyes fixed with agonised attention on the door. A little while later, there came another bump. Bump and a long scratch as though a sharp fingernail were drawn down the paint. Breathless with excitement, I flung open the door. I was utterly terror-stricken and absolutely paralysed by fright. My hand holding the revolver dropped limply to my side. In the full glare of the lamp, I saw the creature that squatted in the doorway. The thing was about the size of a sheep, thin, gaunt, and shadowy in parts. It was human, or to be more accurate, inhuman in its vileness, with large holes of blackness for eyes, loose, slobbery lips, and a thick saliva dripping jaw, sloping back suddenly into its neck. It had no nose, only spreading cancerous cavities, the whole face being one uniform tint of grey. Its forearms were thickly coated with hair, so were its paws, large, loose and hand-shaped. Its lustrous eyes looked incredibly foul as it stared into mine and the horrible smell which had offended my nostrils before came up to my face, filling me with deadly nausea. I noticed that the lower half of the creature was indefinite and seemed semi-transparent. I cannot tell you how long we stood just gazing at each other, but at last the creature gave a series of hops and landed well inside the room. Then my hitherto nervous fingers closed around my revolver, and covering the brute between the eyes, I fired. A crash of lead striking the wood of the cover behind the object I aimed at told me that the bullets had gone clean through the thing's head. It did not seem a bit injured, merely turning its vile countenance at the sound of the splinter wood. I took aim once more, but another ping of the bullet into the wardrobe was the only result of that shot. My flesh cracked again and a stifling tightness clutched my throat, just as I prepared for a third shot. The creature reared itself upright as it sprung upon me. Overcoming the strongest physical repugnance at the thought of the creature touching me, I pressed my revolver right up into its breast and fired. Springing back to avoid its embrace, my ankle twisted and I fell. Something striking me a sharp stinging blow on the temple. When his host rushed in to find out what all the shooting was about, he found the little terrier dog lying dead on the ground next to the unconscious captain. 
There was no sign of the creature, but it continued to appear to Millie and other castle visitors on many occasions, gaining the name The Thing, The Elemental, or simply just It. The castle depicted turbulence and pain for many Irish locals. As a result of this, Lep Castle was burnt out and destroyed in 1922 by the IRA while the Darbys were living in England, but the home was not unoccupied. The caretaker, Richard Dawkins, his wife and their baby lived in the home. He stated that at 2.20am Sunday morning, July 30th, there was a knock on the door. He opened the window, put his head out and saw men outside who stated that they wanted a night's lodging. They ordered him to open the door. He went down and opened the door and was subsequently held at gunpoint. The raiders then stated that they were going to burn the castle. Dawkins asked for time to get his wife and child out and he was given 20 minutes to do so. On Monday morning, July 31st, Richard Dawkins and his family, who had gone to live in the gate lodge, heard a knock at the door at 4.20am. Men outside asked him if he had any paraffin oil. He stated that he had none. The men then left and went down to the castle. When he went down to the castle, he found that the southern part of Lep, which had not been burned in the other fire, was now on fire. Richard Dawkins could not get into the castle to save the valuable furniture and pictures that had survived. All he managed to save were chairs and a sofa which he had stored in Burr. His wife was the only one who gave him any assistance. Although plenty of people came to see the fire, they only laughed when Dawkins asked them for assistance. In the newspaper report, Jonathan Derby said that it looked as if there was explosive used in the destruction of the castle. He had found some dynamite in the wine cellar where the raiders got so drunk that they couldn't use the explosives. He said that it was the locals who burnt the castle. Revenge, punishment and power are the ink, pen and paper that tell the tale of this historically haunted castle. Ireland is, of course, said to be at a weak point in the veil separating the other side. But there's only so much death before the blood starts to spill from the pages of the family scrapbook. What do you think about that? I thought it was very good. You thought it was good? Yeah, it was, there, was a lot, there was a lot going on. There was a lot going on. It was funny for the audience at home. We read the first bit last night and then we sat down to do the conversation today and I genuinely could not remember a single word. You were so tired. I was asleep with my eyes open <laughs> and I've just been informed that I actually read out during that. Did you I not got, remember any of that story? Uh, I, no. Like I know you were very, very tired. See, normally what we do is we record on a Sunday when the boys are having their nap. But with the good weather, we've started to kind of bring the boys out a bit more. And we kind of thought, when the hell are we going to record over this weekend? So we were like, oh, Saturday night, that'll be grand. No, we just can't. Like, you have kids and all of a sudden past nine o'clock is like, oh, what? No. Why would you even try? We tried. We did. <laughs> I think uh, we did okay. <laughs> you, you may you may know the sleepy tones of my voice. <laughs> but lots of questions. I know. What was going on? Lots of things. I did say to you it was very Game of Thronesy. I read it because you actually suggested it, this story. A little Game of Thrones. That's the whole season. I know. You Game suggested this story because you've suggested a few of them. And I read this and I was like, Lap Castle, I lived in Offaly for like four or five years. How have I never heard of this place? And then I started reading up and, and every time I heard somebody else died, somebody else was murdered, somebody else was slain. All these different words that I learned about different people taking each other's lives. Mm. I just kept looking at you going, this is a terrible story, Stephen. Why did you? Why? And you were like, because that's kind of what we do on this podcast. And it was just horrendous. There's some articles that say, obviously, it's the most haunted castle in Ireland. But there are actually a couple that say it's the most haunted castle in Europe. And I don't like that we have something in Ireland, in our tiny little country. I don't like knowing that we have something that in Europe without it being a good thing. I see it as we have the best in Europe, the best scary castle in Europe. <laughs> I think it's the best scary cats. The best scary cats. All cats are scary. 
No, like Frady cats, like people who are afraid of things. Oh. I think this is probably the, this and the Winchester has probably been the, no, the Hellfire Club as well. All of these freaked me out. They might not be scary for other people, but they're actually quite terrifying for me, especially when they're close to home. So lots of people died. Lots of people died. And then the ghost story part of this um, was he thought it was a ghost, but it turned out to shot a dog. I don't know what that was. The elemental. I have no idea. Weren't what they that describing was. the dog when they went to look at it after? No, that was his dog. He had a little fox terrier with him. Ah, so when they came was into the, the fox room, terrier survived no. the ordeal. How did no. it die? I don't know. Elemental bullets killed it like. Oh my god, what if he was hallucinating and he, he shot his dog thinking? Okay, I've said it once, I've said it, I'll say it again. <laughs> it's always drugs. Undercooked meat. Um, it was the 1800s, let's be honest. Well, everybody likes their steak medium rare. Yeah, rare. I know, but these guys were doing it like. This is why I was saying in the last episode as well how people survived to their 60s and 70s in the 18 and 1900s. I don't know. Nobody cooked anything thoroughly. And everybody ate mushrooms, no matter what they looked like. Hmm. So you're dead right on the drugs part, I think. Yeah, maybe he had a couple of garden shrooms. Bit of salad on the side of a steak. Yeah, yeah, yeah mushroom sauce made from specials. Stop. Um, an Australian man and his wife bought it, and they're trying to do it back up again. They had a couple that found the, the skeletons in the wall. No, that was in the that was in the 1900s. Ah. So between 1900 and 1922 is when the obelette was found. And the the, is that the the obelette is the it's like the dungeon underground and the only way in and out is the trap door so if you fall into that you are screwed I think at the moment there's like a barrier around it so you can look into it but you can't actually stand over it like if you fall in there's no way out why would it's you pretty, want to go down there it's a pretty gruesome place but imagine imagine your last errors imagine you fell down there and got like impaled or even just a broken leg it doesn't matter imagine once you're you in didn't. it you can't get out yeah you're just there mm. until you starve to death or yep. Uh, dehydrated it and you're just literally in this room of spikes mm. and other dead people that are it's at dark. different different levels yeah. that you wouldn't even know you you, you think uh no and uh, then you can hear all the no wonder the there's a lot of ghosts yeah uh, yeah i come back and haunted no crap doubt. out of that hot- hotel no not a hotel castle there are actually a couple of youtube videos it was really hard to get information on this one i actually meant to do a shout out Give me one second. While you're looking for that. Mm-hmm. The fella whose name was Man With No Name. Yeah. But he had a name. Mm-hmm. And the name was Man With No Name. That's like calling a dog stay. Come here, stay. Come here, go. Yeah. 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 I, I totally understand what it's you're just saying. just the Man With No Name. I have a name. It is the Man With No Name. That's, I actually don't know this chap's name, but his YouTube page is called Our Legends. He actually covers a bunch of stuff, but his, his stuff was so detailed. Mm. And the way he... I don't know, the way he portrayed the story and the way he told it, it was it was really easy to follow because sometimes people who, I don't know, tell stories that they're not 100% sure on the details. like uh, Fluffing the gaps. Exactly. But like in the Winchester episode, you asked me what a floating foundation was. And I went to say it to you and then I realised I actually don't know exactly what a floating foundation is. So I just don't like commenting on stuff that I don't know 100%. And we do usually Google check to the stuff that we talk about because I know that... Jonathan had said that it was the locals who burnt down the castle in 1922, but the IRA claimed that. I just think it was absolutely hilarious. While in Rome, why not just drink all this man's wine in a cellar? So they went down to the cellar to lay all these bombs out. They just thought, this looks like a really nice whiskey. Got absolutely flutered, and they were all too drunk to to know how to use the explosives. It's it's like a, any bad sitcom, or good sitcom. <laughs> I have I have Del Boy in mind here. Of course you do. Only fools and horses, of course, yes. But it sounds a bit triggerish. Yeah, see, anyone who doesn't know what Only Fields and Horses is doesn't know that Trigger is a person 
Everybody knows. Not you saying, like, trigger warning. Have you any more notes for me? I've all these squiggles that I can't read. Um, I had. I <laughs> How had, many times did you write sleep? <laughs> no, I have sleep and asleep. <laughs> you are so tired. Let's not record at night time. I realise I'm saying that as we're recording now at night time. Yeah, yeah. I had a couple of squiggles written down. Oh, Derby wife. Millie. Millie. When yeah. was that? When? Like, it was in the 1900s? Early 1900s. Ah, yeah, so around about the time that the old 1922 or something? No, that's when it was burnt down. Oh, 1911? 10 past 7. Oh, Tuesday. Somewhere between 1900 and 1922. I, I had just questions around that, but they're not that interesting. I just, yeah, I, so. I just thought it was so funny. That man was trying actively not to pee off any of these spirits. Nobody gets buried in a wall for, like, you know, just stealing an apple. And he's actively trying not to annoy any of these spirits. And she's just in there with the seances and the, the automatic writing. And I'm just kind of like, oh, good Lord. He's trying his very best. And that woman's like, I'm going to write to the paper. You were asking about the hauntings, though. I meant to say to you, there have been people that said that they've passed by Lech Castle. And there's just this ambient light coming out of the, blood cha- uh, the bloody chapel. That part of the castle's not, like, it's not even fixed yet. It still has rubble all over it. It's not livable. It's not as if somebody's up there walking around with a lantern in their hand. There's just random lights coming out of it. There are two little kids. I cannot explain this enough. I love kids. Ghost children? No. Freak me out. I just think they're all demons. It's never a good thing. Look at the shining. It's never a good thing. But there's two little kids that run around. Eleven. I think one of them is eleven. And she was a relative of someone in the castle at the time. They were playing chasing. And she fell out over the battlements and they were quite high and she died. And then there's this other little girl who obviously plays with her. But for some weird reason, her ghost drags around a leg, just just drags around a leg. And then there's a governess. I don't know if he, she was their governess, um, but she is said to be overly friendly with visitors. And the only time people ever feel any physical contact now is the governess. So if you have a sighting with the governess, you're guaranteed she's going to like brush up your leg or something. Oh, go. she's a... She's a ropey... She's a bit of a touchy-feely. Okay. The governess is a badass title for a ghost. Yeah. Are we all good then? I got nothing. You got... <laughs> I got nothing. I got nothing else. I have no further questions, Your Honour. Okay. So I think we're going to finish up there. So as usual, I will put the links in the description of where I got my information from. If you have any comments or requests, by all means, DM us on our Instagram, uh, What's the Story Ghost. If you have any personal experiences yourself that you would like to share with us, our email is what's the story ghost at gmail.com. And we will see you next time. Exit jingle. <laughs> no, you're singing the Black Panther. No, Pink Panther. <laughs> Bye. Good luck. Bye. Good night.